such a gift today to have Travis and Carrie be with us. And I think all of us are in this room, um, or at least some of us, have learned about more about prayer because of Travis and Carrie, and because of their their journey, and because of the ways that prayer has been a gift to them. I know personally, I have learned so much about prayer from them, and so that's why I wanted to invite them to come and speak at Encounter. We have tools in the kingdom of God to combat evil and opposition, and prayer is a kingdom tool. And so I'm gonna pray for Carrie and Travis as we open up this time. God, thank you so much for the gift of your presence with us. Thank you, God, for Carrie and Travis and for the journeys um, and journey that you have taken them on. Thank you, God, that we all have access to the power of prayer. When we face hard times, God, um, we have a kingdom tool through prayer. So I pray right now that you would anoint Carrie and Travis that you would honor them, God, that we would hold their stories with great honor and dignity, and God, that we would come closer to you through this time. We pray for your protection and for your light to shine. Amen. Amen. Word. Thank you, Nikki. What a, what a perfect start. We're going to start with prayer, so <laughs> Nikki nailed it. Um, wow. Okay, so... Why are we here? As we were discussing this, it felt like a good place to start. Just kind of describe why the two of us, why is this on our hearts? Just give some, some overview. Um, we're really just here to give testimony to what's been going on in our lives, what we've been experiencing together over the past couple of years and what God's been doing. Um, so we're going to talk about the experience of the past two years embedded in kind of that experience and the telling of that story. Uh, we're going to talk about we, what we've learned about prayer and the ways we've experienced prayer and experienced God and healing in prayer. And uh, then we're going to talk about the implications of those learnings and kind of the so what behind it all. Um, so we're probably going to get, you know, Brene Brown loves to talk about vulnerability as being uncomfortable. So we're probably going to get a little uncomfortable in all the right ways. We'll have a little bit of fun and we're really here to give praise to God, to give thanks uh, for his hand in our lives. And we want to be faithful to share and pursue what he's put on our hearts in this season. Um, and just the lessons we've learned and how they apply to us as citizens of the kingdom of God, which is Nikki's theme for us. So we'll dive all into it. Okay, and so it is, I mean, if you don't know, I'm looking around like most people know, at least some portion of why it's me and Travis. But just, you know, we're going to trust there are a few people who don't really know any background. Um, Travis and I have a wild fondness for one another, like an unaccountable fondness. I had to beat him up in Costa Rica um, back when he was about 16, 17 years old. Um, it is a true story. I threw him to the ground. He was a little bit surprised. He was really annoying me. Um, you were there, huh? Right? Straight on the ground in front of God and the Tekans and everybody. Because Travis can really push buttons. Um, and I was the adult, and uh, it, it didn't go well. But just weirdly, after beating him up, there was such a fondness. And really, that was our interaction. Like, Sunday morning hugs. Like, we would look for one another. 
give each other a hug. We were talking yesterday, and it was like, I don't even remember for sure what that was like, because it was so unconnected. Um, and, you know, he, his family group, I'm, I always call myself group adjacent. You know, I would do holidays sometimes with them and sometimes not. But even though we would talk about, hey, let's grab some coffee, let's go do this, Travis and I never had any one-on-one time outside of the deck and down in the parking lot until November of 2021. And Travis came to me and he was like, Carrie, I had a dream with you in it. Which would have been weird if we weren't unaccountably fond of one another and hadn't been hugging each other for, you know, decades, decade. And, uh, and I was like, was it a dream or was it a dream? And he was like, well, I don't think I have dreams. And I was like, all right, you know what? So what? And he goes, in the dream, I, I told you everything. And I was like, well, do you think you need to tell me everything? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, all right. And so that was November 21st, 2021. It was the week before the first week of Advent. And the first week of Advent was the week of hope. And we went to coffee, um, using that term loosely, we were there for quite a while, uh, the following Sunday. Yep. Um, so this was just a prompted dream. I remember I, I had this dream. I, I was literally, I was sat across from a table with Carrie. And I I woke up, it was just like a tell-all. I could just understand. Like I was just kind of explaining my whole life and everything that was going on. And I woke up almost in tears. It was so emotional and so weighty. I was like, I don't know what that was, but it was important. And so yeah, told told Carrie we went and got coffee for almost five hours. And (laughs) there was a lot lot to talk about. We can both Um, talk. Yep. Uh, but at that point in my life, I kind of, I'd reached my own personal fearful rock bottom. Um, I had been struggling with an eating disorder most of my life since, uh, Alyssa, my sister passed and I just got strung out by hopelessness and fear, fear of myself, fear of my actions, fear, like I was just so so scared, felt hunted, and needed a place to, to just be free to, to talk about it and, um, you know, bless my brother Jake back there and Landon, who I had talked uh, about this with. And so to, to have this dream about talking about it with Carrie, I was like, oh, this seems so random and bizarre. Um, but we did, we got all into it, and coming out of that, you know, what do you, what do you say in that moment? But I, I just remember... Carrie was so clear. She was like, great. I'm going to do three things for you. I'm going to pray for you every single day. I'm going to set up a group text with myself, Jake, Landon. We're going to rope Colleen in, and we're going to just be, be praying for you. And she said, I'm going to be here to help with all the next steps, because I kind of looked into to treatment for myself and what it would be like to pursue that, because I just knew I needed it. Hard to kind of take those actual steps to get yourself there. So Carrie stepped in and said, I'm going to help with whatever that looks like. Um, and really at that point, it became clear. It was like, all right, next steps are happening. And I need my people who are closest to me to know what's, what's been going on. I've been so fearful of, of people knowing that I'm struggling or that I'm just so broken. Um, but it's time for that to all be out in the open and to, to risk the vulnerability of, of talking about this. So I met with kind of our family group's parents. I met with Doug and Nancy and Brad and Don. Um, 
and just told him what was going on, told him the next steps, told him where I was at, and just received such open arms, love, and acceptance, and even, I remember this being so touching, sitting with Brad and Don, and they apologized to me in that moment and said, we thought for so long something was not quite right, and, and even starting there, it just started to, to heal some, some parts of my heart that had been long broken and caught in darkness. Um, so... Yeah, yeah, take it. Take yeah, okay. it. <laughs> okay, we're okay, we're okay. Um, so it is, you know, what do you do? I, I, if you had said, hey, Carrie, you're going you're gonna to ultimately live with Travis Smalley for seven months and write prayer mail, email after prayer email and be in this relationship, I would have been like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> Apparently, no, I'm not going to do that. But sitting with him at coffee, I was like, yeah, okay, this is what we're going to do. And we just come out. Oh, you're gonna make me cry because you're here. <laughs> we just come off of praying for Tammy, and so Tammy was really like, without Tammy, there is no story here, because when Tammy was diagnosed with leukemia, we committed to pray every day while she was in the hospital, and she went in for 30 days, and every morning. We sat on a primal. And when Travis told me about his life, for me it was cancer. Right? You don't do anything to deserve an eating disorder. Travis hasn't done anything wrong. Tammy didn't do anything wrong. She didn't deserve leukemia. And so I had just come out of that. And I was with Travis and I was like, all right. Let's get treatment. Let's do what we do. And what apparently is what we do is when people are in treatment fighting something that's going to kill them, we pray every day. And we invite people in to do that with us. And so when Travis um, went in, oh, I, I, this does actually matter that I do this is my favorite thing. <laughs> um, you know, we were sitting in church just now and somebody got hurt down on the playground. And I heard them going, ow, ow. Oh, and one of the things that when we most need prayer, we don't say, oh, we shut up and we deal with it. And Travis had shut up and dealt with it. And we fight a lot because the American construct is independence and self-reliance. And that is an American construct. And I defy you to find it in scripture because there is nowhere in scripture where we are told to be independent. We are told to be dependent on God dependent on him again and again and again and our job together is to help one another be dependent on God and so we stepped into it and um some people oh this is a different point um we stepped into it and we just said okay we're going to pray every day for the month that he'll be in treatment like oh we're like oh you'll be in treatment for four to six weeks like that'll be it and then you'll come home um but that isn't what ultimately happened. And I know later I mentioned it, but we ended up with a group of people um, on the email chain. There are over 80 people on the email chain, and there's over 300 prayers in the dock um, for how long Travis was in treatment and had that portion of the journey going. And what we learned during that time, every one of those prayers is embedded in Scripture. And I learned that with Tammy. And that's where you start. Because we are dependent on God. I'm never going to 
get Travis out of an eating disorder, even though I was able to help with every next step because I'm a good personal assistant. It's a gift set. Okay, but God is the one who is going to be with Travis. And the prayers of the saints are essential. Um, I think we already did that part. So this is me. Um, now it's you. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was like, we, we skipped all this. We, yeah. we're, we are killing it. You know, it was uh, before I left, we had a prayer night at my parents' house. And uh, it was so special to be in that, in that moment, coming out of, you know, all my aloneness and being surrounded by people who I, I knew and, and knew loved me and um, again just starting to feel very early stages of some pieces of my heart mending and that's you know been a long process and still in process in many ways um, but it was so cool to be able to show up to to treatment and have that backing that support that very clear knowledge every day an email went out it was like oh people know me, see me, care about me, love me, are praying for me. They always want asking treatment. They're like, you know, who, who knows? What does your support team look like? Do, you, do your family, does your family know? Do you have community? And every time I just kind of laugh and be like, I can't even tell you how much support I have. Like there's 80 people who are getting emails every single day talking about this and I'm opening up my life and it's, it's healing me slowly but surely. Um, and I didn't even know how true that was when I would talk about it. Um, what, what am I talking about next? Uh, even even friends in treatment, once I would talk about it, they were like, come on, I want to I be on that email list. I was like, oh, all right, yeah, that's great. Um, you know, one of those interesting moments where that was like their care and, and love for me, even just knowing each other for a little bit. But also I think it's, it's just kind of that, that's the kingdom, right? Like you kind of get a sense of like, wow, this person is loved and I want to be loved like that and I want to be a part of something bigger and I think there's that that call for them too people who were you know had their own religious backgrounds who were not religious who had been deeply traumatized and hurt by people with faith um and people were actively you know yeah just desiring not to have anything to do with God they were like I I don't I don't care it's a prayer email like I want to be a part of it I want to know what's going on um so at residential treatment, I just started to, to seek and listen to God in a way that I never had before. Um, I mean, yeah, I was, I was in treatment. I had nothing but time and space and therapy all day, every day to be with my thoughts and, and to start praying and, and listening. Um, and God used it and met me in those. Uh, began to, to speak to me in visions and offering me spaces of, of internal healing in an instant that I had thought would never be available to me or that I could never do for myself. And um, yeah, it just started to, to change my life. At, at that point, I always used to say, and I still very much believe, that I couldn't not see the working, moving hand of God in every area of my life and those around me. Um, looking at my current context and being in residential care where you're monitored 24-7. You can't go to the bathroom alone. Like, everything about it is fully monitored. I was the most restricted I've ever been in my whole life and felt the most heart-free and settled that I've ever been in my whole life. And uh, I even look back on that time and I was like, man, I was living my best, most free pastoral life in residential eating disorder treatment, which is <laughs> crazy. Um, and I almost didn't want to 
leave that space. Once I got cut by insurance, I was like, oh, man, I was doing it. Like, that was it. We had, <laughs> we had a good thing going. Um, but, yeah, that, that kind of led to the, the next progressions of going through the rest of the treatment in Monterey and then coming back to Santa Barbara um, to finish out my last care of uh, individual outpatient treatment. Um, and that moved us into kind of the, some new seasons of hard and struggle uh, in this journey. And that's when prayer was, was always the, like, kind of the only answer. It was like, Travis is gone. What can we do? We can pray for him. We can support him from afar. Um, and then we kind of morphed into prayer being like the needed, this is the only way we make it through a single day answer. Um, so. And there's so much like this is like a little commercial break. There's so much that we could share. And I was struck earlier that um, I felt for a long time that, that Travis needed to tell his story because one of the things that I've seen come from Travis's honesty and his vulnerability is other people's honesty and vulnerability. And if we do nothing else than provide a safe place for you to come up to us at the altar and get prayer, then we don't, then whatever else you take away from this moment, who cares? You know, like there's so many spaces that we could stop and unpack and talk about the ways that God has met us in the last two years um, that we're just kind of skipping across the top, mostly to say, we want you to be free and comfortable to know that we're willing to be vulnerable so that you can be vulnerable. Because if we aren't crying out, ouch, then how's anybody going to know we're hurt? And so um, Travis's friends at Alsana in Monterey, like I know them because they wanted to be part of the emails. You know, and went up and met them and got to interact with them. And even today, you know, we love them. You know, there's Aditi and Michaela, right? There's Krista, big love, big love for Krista. Right? There's Morgan, there's Alex. There are people that went through treatment with Travis who are desperate. The only reason that Travis is not still desperate is because of God. And these people there are just like, can we be included? Can you see us? And I had the privilege of getting to write to some of them, and I still will text and email some of them. You know, we had to pray for Ashley while I was driving down south. Travis looped me in on a prayer, and he's like, we got to pray for Ashley. She's having a hard time. She'd gone home. Um, and not only Travis's people in Alsana, Alsana wanted to be included, my people wanted to be included. My friends were like, Put, put me on that prayer chain. I have friends who don't even know Travis personally who are still daily praying for Travis. Some of my friends pray for Travis more than they pray for me. <laughs> that's, a, that's a true story. Um, so, okay, back to my part. So, um, Travis came home and, you know, recovery is two steps forward, 12 steps back two steps forward, 14 <laughs> steps back. And all we knew was this, right? I'd not, we'd never hung out prior to him saying, hey, here's my life. And so we knew how to do this thing. And we watched God open up five different houses, three of them for free, 
And what I told Travis is for the, the story of moving into Jamie and Alyssa's house in Galita is its own special place of God's provision and my stubbornness. And it's beautiful. And I still owe Gavin for getting sick. And I'm sorry, Gavin Schottenberg, that is on me. Um, and that we call that stubbornness. Um, but we, we stepped out with what we thought God was going to do. And Colleen mentioned this a little bit this morning, like, you know what God should do. And all along the way, God was like, you are so cute. And then he'd do what he wanted. And we lived in the Schottenbergs and we lived in the Howans as a result of a wedding that I didn't want to go to. And then we lived at my friend, um, the DeYoungs. They don't even know Travis, Um, but they were like, you need a place. We lived in Mark and Colleen's for a hot second. And then we lived in Susan Dawson's. Um, and that was just a friend of Lisa's. Like, I kind of know her. And I just randomly at that point, I was like, we just need someone to live. Like, do you, can we live in your house? Um, and God just threw open the doors and gave Travis a place and gave me a place for Travis to be able to journey through that season of recovery. Um, and one of the things we learned about prayer is one, you actually don't know anything and God does. Um, and two, you have to ask and be willing to be helpless and to just trust God to show up. Um, and Travis was right. It became our season of that, that season of recovery. It wasn't like, oh, we need to pray daily. It was like, we need to pray hourly. And sometimes it was like moment by moment and how are we going to make it through this very next moment? And so that's when Travis started in with prayer is always the right answer. But that's only after like really close actual physical fights where finally I was like, okay, let's just pray. And we'd both be pissed on our own side of the room. <laughs> We're just going to pray. Fine, pray. Do what you got to do. <laughs> yeah, very true. Um, this whole section, I'm, I feel like, Going back to Kenny, I feel like we're, <laughs> I want to get lost and be like, we're in a Pentecostal church and go crazy. I'm going to try and stick to my notes because like Carrie said, there is so much to, to share. But that was a lesson that felt like it got learned early for us. Prayer is always the right answer. And it's continued to reaffirm itself time and time again. And I, I, I truly believe in it. And I think it's a kind of a life-changing phrase to carry in our minds. Um, so <laughs> truly we were we were in it in a lot of ways like battling my own spaces of <sighs> beliefs ed behaviors total demonic oppression seeking control in ways i knew how plenty of my own stubbornness um and we were both just kind of being undone by uh brutal realities and lies about ourselves that we had learned and understood and lived in for most of our our lives um And before we get too far, I just think that's such an important thing to acknowledge in the conversation about prayer is spiritual warfare. And to me, that's something that three years ago, someone could ask me about it. And I'm like, "Uh, I don't know, like biblical times, sure. Maybe third world countries here, probably not. I've never experienced it. It was foreign to me. And having gone through experiences in my life where I've just, you know, felt and seen and experienced it, it's just such an undeniable reality for me and I think it's so important and it it is uncomfortable in ways but it's a constant reality taking place in our lives and through experiencing it it's become so clear and necessary 
that since it's always going on, it's so important to call God into it. Because it's not a battle that we can fight or own or do anything in. Um, And so, you know, even looking at situations in my own life where that force and that that oppression kind of kept me head down and uh, blindfolded and in my own spirals and loops and self-beliefs and self-hatred and all these different things that were worn within me. Um, The shame comes in, the buy-in to all those things becomes so easy, and then it feels downright impossible to extend ourselves and ask for what we need in that moment, to say the ouch, and with honesty, uh, have light brought in, and connection, and truth, and and prayer. Um, So in that, (laughs) is that my last point for you guys? I think so, yeah. We have so much to say that we're like, okay, wait, did we hit it all? Yeah. I mean, honestly, even in this week, preparing for this and trying to come up with what we were going to say and trying to weed through it all, it just felt going from saying yes to Nikki and being like, we got stuff to share. Prayer showed up. God's been in our lives and so excited about it to the fallout of like, I don't think we have anything to say. and This is a lie. We probably should cancel it. And, you know, and then this whole week having to spend yesterday alone, we probably spent four hours just battling in prayer, like totally taken out by, by ourselves and our minds and looking at that and being like, Lord, we need you desperately. We need you. We're calling out. We're crying out because we're, we feel like we're under attack. We just don't know what to do about it. And we, we need help and provision. Um, yeah, so even experiencing that this week and, and the ease and the hard at the same time of being able to lean in and, and just bring it all to God. Because at the end of the day, that's also a piece of it. He just wants our hearts, right? Like those honest struggles with what's going on inside of us and, and turning that over. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, don't be unclear. Travis wasn't the only one that brought his own narrative and his own demons. Imagine for those of us who are older... Imagine saddling all your ish on top of a 27-year-old. God bless him. Right? Like, come on. Because Travis came with all his stuff and I came with all of mine. Right? And if you are older and you've believed certain narratives about yourself for decades, imagine being 27 and being faced with somebody who should have it together. Right? Because, right, all of us who are older, how dare you say ow? You shouldn't have any owls in your life. You should know what you're doing. These youngins, they need their owie. We're fine. We've got it. Please. We have it going on. We're so broken. And Travis got to see it all. And had to manage it from a place of 26 with an eating disorder and a whole bunch of weird, like, what are you doing living with this person? Like, there was a lot of weird. And he had to manage it. My, my undoing is equal to Travis's undoing. And the spiritual realm, like, I knew I'd gone to Costa Rica on a mission trip with an, an Assemblies of God church and had seen things done that, you know, we wouldn't see here in our sanctuary in general. I, I do, I can pray in tongues. Travis is the first person and kind of the only person that I will do that with because it's a boundary for me. Nikki and I and Jake and I 
have had some moments just trying to see what that's like. Um, but Travis came home and we were at the Schottenbergs and there was, this was in the first week. And we already knew, like we already knew what it was like for Travis to be pulled under by evil. And we had already seen it um, and had some keys to how to deal with it. One of them was music. Um, Corey Asbury, shout out. Um, and so we're in the kitchen and Travis had gone out with Landon and the goal for the day was to not move. The goal for the day was no workout. Okay, this is a huge goal. And he's at the sink back to me washing dishes and I foolishly know nothing. I'm sitting over there where Meg's at and I said, so, you saw Landon today. That was good. So no movement. You didn't, you didn't work out. And Travis turned on me and I literally saw the hand come up from hell and grab him and his eyes were flat and he looked at me with such rage and hatred. And Travis will tell you that he felt like he was thrown out off to the side and I'm looking and I'm like, ah! <laughs> I'm out of my depth. <laughs> and I've been outwardly and I'm like, okay. And we have, like, there are a bunch of catchphrases that have kind of gotten us through different seasons. One of them is, okay, okay, this is where we are, okay. And I, I said, okay, here we are. We can't screw this night up any more than I already have. Um, how about you put on some Corey Asbury, go in the front room, turn on some Corey Asbury, and then theoretically, I'll disappear. You obviously want me gone. He has eating disorder. And those demonic spaces hate me. And I was like, I'll disappear. And he looks at me and goes, what do you mean theoretically? And I was like, in theory. <laughs> but, but no, I said, well, you know, let's see what happens. And, you know, he turned on um, a little bit of Corey Asbury. And you could see, like, him lighten and then straight back down. And then listening to Corey. And it was at that point that we were like, okay, so we have demonic oppression. We're living with it in, in the Schottenberg house, and we need prayer. And um, like that, I could bunny trail down on that and bring in Jake, and Jake coming over and literally praying um, demons out of Travis. Um, but I do feel like, and we've talked, like it's like a master class in spiritual warfare that neither one of us knew that we were going on. And we had, we had one rule, kind of... Um, that we survived by was that we weren't allowed to leave. You couldn't leave the room. You could be angry and you could hate one another, but you couldn't leave the room. And you couldn't walk away until it was done. And so um, I call it the wall. And I think probably that as many of you know what that is, uh, where you get so mad and so blocked and so behind the wall that you are not coming out. And it does not matter. And I specifically remember one, one time in prayer, I was so angry. And Travis was like, well, it's always the right thing. We're going to pray. And I was like, you must. You go pray. You, you pray all by yourself. I hope you rot. You know, and I remember I was leaning against the wall, and I was so mad. I don't even think I was looking at it. I'm pretty sure I was looking away, and I was arms folded. And the whole time he was praying, I was like, man, I hate you. So <laughs> And, and I was on the far side of the wall. But one of the things that, because we were with one another so much, we learned a lot about silence and a lot about waiting. 
And Travis just waited me home. He just, you know, I just, because we couldn't leave, couldn't go to my room, wasn't allowed. So just had to stand there and take it. And uh, he just prayed, and then he waited. Like for a long time, I'm not talking like this, I'm not talking, I'm talking time. And he waited, and then he prayed some more, and waited. And it's when you have to wait on God, because there's nothing he could do. I was on the far side of the wall, and I wasn't coming out. And I remember having to choose. And I mean, we got countless times where that's what God has called us to. Sometimes in prayer, you just need somebody to wait with you. And they have to be willing to wait, to shut up and wait. And we've done a lot of waiting. We're actually kind of good at it now. So if you just need somebody to wait with you, you come onto the altar and be like, I don't actually want you to talk. I just need you to wait. I'm on the other side of the wall. I kind of hate you right now, but I'm going to go ahead and kneel. We're we're good for it. Um, But it is, we have seen the Holy Spirit step in and I well, we added the bullet this morning even yesterday there is one point there are more than one point this week has been we've we've been kind of brutalized this week and even yesterday I told him I go well let's just call Nikki we do we not do this nobody's gonna care we just call Nikki and we're not gonna even talk what are we gonna say anyway this is stupid it's like let's peace out and Travis is like we're not gonna cancel I'm like fine <laughs> what do you want to do um yeah, we've, the waiting has been huge. Seeing the Spirit of God move has been huge. Um, understanding that we can't save one another has been huge. And we have to relearn that a lot. Because I, I love him. He loves me. <laughs> right, but I, I love him and I want his flourishing. And I want to see his life be full and I think for those of us who are older, imagine if somebody had been able to come alongside when we were younger. I mean, for me personally, my most stupid choices were made at 28. And what it would have been to have somebody help. I mean, you're going to have other struggles. But I want Travis's flourishing, and I can't provide that. But I can say, let's bring it back to Jesus. And... Travis, in the same way, does the same thing for me. And I think we just, we're just, you know, I went to Jake and to Nikki when they were starting in with some y'all stuff and, you know, bringing in some prayer. And I just said, hey, I don't even care. I want in. I don't, I don't care how old you guys are. And like, this feels like a y'all young adult leadership lab movement. Doesn't matter. I want in. I want in on this prayer because what we've experienced in the healing that we've had in our own lives, I have a hard time believing that some of you are out there saying, ouch. And if Travis Smalley can come to church for over a decade and have no one know that he was alone and lost and terrified, you can't tell me there are other people sitting in the pews that feel that way. I mean, it has to be true. And so it's one of the reasons why, like, even though it's all kind of just a flow consciousness sort of thing, like, why we're like, yeah, let's start the conversation. Let's, let's share what we can share and start it. And so, yeah, you want to fight a little bit in the spiritual realm. You need somebody to stand with you in prayer.
come talk to us or don't just come be near us and we'll sit with you in it i think it's back to you yep so that's a big thing just like carrie said starting the conversation this is the end of the conversation this isn't the you know we're still learning a lot in in prayer so it's not like oh we're coming to teach a specific <laughs> lesson and this is the end goal um Opening up the conversation, opening up chances to practice. That's why the, the altar is such a special place. It's just come practice. And be like, hey, this is scary, and I'm going to pour my heart out and bring God into it, and we'll see what happens. Um, so Dennis gave a great word at the beginning of men's retreat. He said, you know, you can give the bullet points, and you give the this and that. Most people won't remember. You can give the handouts. They'll hold it. They'll throw it away, or they'll never, never look at it again. So stories, stories matter. So we took a lot of time to just share some stories. There are countless others that we're happy to share. Um, but if you do like your bullet-pointed lists, we do have a couple things we, we wrote out to call back to. Um, prayers of conversation, God has already started. Vulnerability, trust, and honesty, they matter. And there needs to be a safe space to enter into. Prayer isn't solitary. Bring others in. Holy Spirit is active and alive. The spiritual realm is real and impacts our lives. Asking for prayer and receiving prayer is vital. It's one of my favorite areas when I think about the different ways that God works. It's always good stacking on good, on good. On, like it all, God can't be anything but good, right? So you, you ask someone for prayer and you're being blessed. You're, you're having that freed up within you. They're getting to draw near to God and and have God speak to them in the waiting for Carrie. The pauses is like, Lord, you know, just surrendering her in prayer and, and calling him into it. And then just being given clear visions and understanding of what Carrie was going through. Like having clear, yeah, we talked about after, like clear vision of what she was experiencing in her body and the tension and the tightness and the battle that was going on. And me being blessed by, by just drawing near to God and holding space for that and just seeking it out. So it, it does good for everyone involved. Prayer is not performance. There are so many times, you know, I just want prayer to be this incredible thing and I come out of it and I'm like, well, I blew that one. I guess I'll get it next time. Um, and so many of those times, gentle, gracious reminders from God being like, hey, quick reminder, love you. I've called you into this. I'm doing everything here. This is me. You're relying on me. And it just is such a good reminder. It's like, ah, it's not, it's, it's not anything I'm doing. Like, I'm just surrendering you to, to God's care. And that's the absolute best we can do for someone. Um, and, again, he wants our hearts. That's all. But we've uh, we got to be willing to, to surrender to it. Um, and that can really start a, a wave of good. Um, So we we did look through and, and think, you know, what is it that we could say? And mostly I would just invite you. We'd invite you to the altar, invite you in the pew, invite you. You know, um, Jean and I were talking about there's, there's zero reason why you can't just give prayer if you're not, I mean, we're not. We're not holding the secret. I mean, you can sit and get prayer with Lanil. You can get prayer with Phil. You can get prayer with Judy. You can get prayer with Sarah. You know, you can get prayer with Nancy. You can get prayer with Gina. Like, we're not saying we're the ones you need to come to the altar for. And we're going to pray with you. We're saying 
why aren't you going to the altar with someone and getting prayer? Because I'm pretty certain that we all have an ouch. And Gina doesn't have the freedom to be able to deny it, so I get to say it. Um, but it really, truly, you know, we talked about having Gina be on the altar prayer team. And if you need someone to sit with, avail yourself of Gina's ability to pray for you in silence. And, and let her minister to you in a way that will be unique. I, I got to pray with uh, Vicki Goller and I asked her, I said, oh, do you want to kneel? Do you want to, here, pretend. She did we're like this. And I go, do you want to kneel? Do you want to like sit in the pews? What do you want to do? And she looks at me and she goes, I want you to look in my eyes and pray for me. <laughs> and I was like, okay, this will be interesting. <laughs> okay, that's what you need? Okay. Find, find somebody, there is somebody in this congregation who will pray with you. And I also want to say the other, another thing, because now, you know, now we're all scripts, so we can do whatever we want. I do want to say that Travis and I have been really clear all along the way that his eating disorder has nothing to do with his love for Jesus. And so sometimes we have our broken pieces and we go, well, that's because I'm not praying enough. That's because I'm not faithful enough that people are going to think I don't love Jesus because of this thing. That would be like saying, well, Tammy, I'm sad that your faith was so weak that you had to get leukemia. How embarrassing that must be for you. We would never say, well, there are churches that would say that and we'd say shame on you. But that's not our doctrine. That's not our theology. Right, Travis's love for Jesus and his passion for the Holy Spirit and his ability to engage in that relationship is not in relation with the fight for recovery. And so the shame and the guilt and the narrative will keep us from getting help. And so we would both say, hey, let that go. My, my ability to find my worth in work and my worth and being busy are no less detrimental to my life. My, my identity and my things are no less detrimental. And so that's been, I mean, going through this with Travis, one of the reasons I could see it is because I could see it. I don't have an eating disorder, but I know what it is to find your worth in something else and to be controlled by it. And so... I would say if there is something that you are struggling with that you're like, yeah, but that just makes me look like a bad Christian. Yeah, we're, we're going to say hard pass. Hard pass on that. Uh, and invite you to be prayed for. So, do you want to pray for them? Yeah. We should pray we'll, for them. We're, we'll close it out in prayer. Thanks for being generous with the time. Yeah. Lord, thank you for being in this space. Thank you for occupying all the spaces of our heart and minds that are broken and needy. Thanks for making us with such a severe need for you. Thanks for being kind to step in and, and meet us right where we need it and how we need it. Lord, thanks for sustaining Carrie and I through these past couple of years. It's been hard and beautiful all at the same time. Um, 
thanks for giving us a, a chance to just begin talking about it and, and shouting out praise to you for who you are and how good you are and for the joy it's been to experience that in real and tangible ways. Lord, this space and this, this time to talk and, and share with one another has been richly prayed over. And Lord, I trust your Holy Spirit. So anything that is needed at any given time, I pray that you'd bring it about and let it ring out in people's minds and in their hearts. And I just trust you to be moving in this space and getting after each of us in the ways that we need. So Lord, I pray that you'd be breaking down barriers and walls and softening hearts and uh, just bringing light to some dark spaces today. I pray for that very clear sense that we just want to have a safe space offered to, to all of us. Thank you for the work you're doing at Free Methodist and in our church. And um, Lord, I just see this, this place as such a safe space that people enter into and are drawn to. And Lord, we pray a blessing over this place, that you would just continue to be welcomed and sought after. And you would just continue moving and, and offering your healing hand. Lord, you are no less present and no less real than you were when Jesus laid his hands on people on this earth and healed the sick and gave life to those who were dead. Lord, I've experienced your touch in my life, and I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. And I know that you're looking to do the same with everyone in here. And I know you have done the same for those in here. So Lord, thank you for, for entering in and just dwelling with us. Pray that you would continue to, to speak to us in the rest of this day and that you would go out ahead of us and, and dwell in our hearts. Continue to come back to this idea of this, this Bethel space, this space of worship and that our hearts are created to be a Bethel space. So, Lord, we invite you in. We open up our hearts to you. And we worship you. We praise you. And we love you so much. And we pray it all in the beautiful name of Jesus. In your name. Amen. 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 Amen.